Recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 543. My name is Eric Nelson. And with me today, I have my co-host, Matt Longett. Uh, Matt, how are you doing today? Eric, I am well. Another snowy and soon to even be more snow day here in central Pennsylvania. We're expecting six inches, uh, another round overnight tonight. Uh, but I'm with power which is better than I can say for our friends in the community down in Texas. But uh, how are you, sir? How are things out in the West Coast? And what's the color of the bay today? I'm having weather guilt here, I think, because it's uh, it's been really nice. It's sunny today. I'm a little bit on the cooler side, you know, of all me 50 degrees. So I, I really can't complain because we don't have a 12 inches of snow outside. And we certainly have power. And the color of the bay is just a nice green blue green because it's been sunny and and uh, mild today we had some rain over the weekend so it hasn't been perfect but it has been uh, it's been a nice day today so i feel feel a little bit of well weather guilt survivor guilt here as uh, we're in california being happy without that on the show today we're going to be covering horizon SaaS services what's new with sashin sharam shaman see i i already blew it uh sashin sashin's here Shar sharma 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 there we go sashin welcome to the show we always do a little bit of the you know hey who are you what do you do here why don't we do that first tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll do a little bit of the news and then get into horizon SaaS uh services Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Eric and Matt. Uh, so my name is Sachin Sharma. I'm part of uh, End User Computing Business Unit uh, focused on product marketing. I've been here at VMware for a little bit over eight years. I came in through a small acquisition and uh, it's been wonderful to be here working with uh, a lot of great people like yourself. So thanks for having me on the show. And where are you located in the great planet of Earth? I'm, I live in San Francisco, but currently I'm in Southern California right now uh, as my wife's uh, uh, grew up in Southern California. So, uh, you know, I hear about all the weather, you know, problems that are going around uh, and hope everyone is safe, but can't complain here. Definitely just nothing but sun. Nice. Nice. Yep. Yep. Everybody gets to work everywhere. I think uh, somebody on our team is actually working uh, down in the Bahamas, right? She, she walks out on the beach every day, but you know, she's in our tech meetings. So I guess you can be anywhere ex experiencing any weather you want. If you really, really want to go to get, get out right now, you still got some time to do that. Uh, Matt, let's talk about the news uh, V experts. Uh, why don't you tell us what's going on with V experts? So VXpert announcements for the first half of 2021 were announced last week. We had a total of now 2,100 VXperts across uh, at least 40 countries. So those announcements went out. Congratulations to all the uh, VXperts out there that uh, renewed that designation and for the new members of that community. Uh, I see in the blog post that went out that, that's out there for the announcement itself, that the sub-programs, nine sub-programs, will be announced here or by the BUs uh, relatively soon, within the next couple of weeks or so. So be on the lookout for those sub-programs, uh, things like, uh, I believe, um, so the EUC we, we've seen before and, and cloud services and whatnot. So if that's uh, of your inclination to, to have that, again, a special sub-designation from within the V-Expert program, be on the lookout for those announcements that will be coming your way, I'm sure, with the blog posts and the emails. 
Yeah, excellent, excellent. Yeah, shout out to everybody. And uh, what I would say is I've been watching Corey Romero. We're on the V Expert uh, email alias, and I think we've gotten maybe at least a hundred. Uh, escalations where people didn't get in and uh, and were escalating to see if they we could uh, review their apps and uh, uh, you know maybe maybe look at uh, why they didn't get in and maybe uh, help them out. Um, so uh, if you did get in, just just saying there were a lot of people that uh, didn't get in because uh, we look at what you do and 2020 was a hard year and so there were a lot of people that uh, didn't make the cut. But if you made the cut, congratulations to all of you. And we are looking at great ways to engage you this year. And uh, thank you for for doing all the hard work uh, and being kind of the core backbone of the uh, the V community ecosystem that's out there. So thanks to everybody again. A great year, a lot of new people. Uh, congratulating some new people, and then there are people that have been V experts for eleven or twelve years, running their blogs and engaging. So thanks a lot for, to everybody for doing that. Yep, good year. Uh, also ha coming up, just a shout out, I know there is a, a networking event, an all-day networking event that uh, we called out on our last podcast, 542, I believe, uh, So, or maybe 541 uh, on the networking podcast that we had. Go listen to that. There is a registration that you can go sign up for uh, a networking event all day in, I think it is mid to late March or sometime in March. So go check it out. It's March 23rd. March 23rd. What's the name of the network? Future Net. Future Net. And that's an all-day conference, kind of all day. There's going to be speakers. I think VMware only has two speakers on it. So uh, the rest of the speakers are just industry speakers talking about networking uh, topics. So Future Net, there's lots of going on in, you know, edge, edge networking versus, uh, you know, uh, connecting to the hyperscalers as well as uh, just running your own network in your data center. So a lot of cool stuff going to be covered there. Go register. It's free. Another day of Zoom meetings. How can you go wrong with that? You know, like I think that uh, I, I, <laughs> I did a leadership concert co co uh, conference for the last two days, Matt, and uh, spent half days in uh, more leadership conference stuff. And people ask me like, uh, are you getting tired of Zoom? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. Uh, getting kind of tired of Zoom. So I still can't find my mute button on any given day. So you're probably doing better than I am. I'll tell you what, uh, board of directors, one of our main board of directors is in there and like he's talking away and his mouth is wiggling and we're not hearing any sound. Right? He's like, well, if I had a nickel for every time I, you know, didn't have the mute button properly checked so even some of the big guys can get that um interestingly enough uh, uh michael dell came and talked for maybe 15 minutes and uh, i obviously can't talk much about what he said but i was uh, fairly inspired uh, by some of the things he said one thing i, I don't think is confidential uh, that i can say is that uh our zane Rowe is our current acting ceo for vmware right now and zane uh zane said he texts Michael Dell three or four times a day, right? So Michael Dell is very engaged with uh, Zane being the active CEO as Pat now has, uh, is is now just on our board, right? So he's not active day-to-day -day managing the company any longer. He's obviously went to Intel to be the present CEO there, but Pat Kelsinger is on our board. Um, so, you know, 
be you know that's not like he's completely gone he's still in in the mix for strategy uh but but uh michael dell does apparently work with zane multiple times a day so uh that's interesting just to know that uh mike's actually paying attention to vmware likes vmware and had good things to say about vmware in general so it's fun to see him this morning and uh, let's see, I think that's uh, that's that's good enough between V experts and then a shout out to VMworld. VMworld will be, you know, uh, happening this year. I think it's October 4th or 5th, something like that. Look online, go register. Uh, I think, I don't know if they have reg open yet. I think they just have saved the date. So, uh, but uh, know that it's coming up. And if you're thinking about doing a paper, get your paper ideas ready because call for papers will come out shortly. Right. So with that. October we'll, 5th uh, through 7th, 5th through 7th. November, October 5th through 7th, right? Perfect. And with that, we'll get our to our main topic today. Um, it's good to have you on, uh, Sashin. Uh, I think that's how you said it. So we'll try to get it right a few times tonight, today. Uh, we, we've started with how long you've been at VMware, which is actually pretty cool. You've been here, what did you say, five or six years? So uh, long enough to be an old timer now, right? So there. Uh, why don't you give us an update on Horizon and topic of SaaS services. We're going to talk about what's new. Um, why don't you just give us the couple minute uh, overview of having it being on a cloud service to begin with, right? I mean, I think everybody understands how to automate desktops and, you know, use a horizon on-prem, but what should take us through the journey going to the cloud and what that means? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, I've been in, inside of end user computing now for eight years. And for the majority of the time we have been selling you know, VDI solutions, published application solutions a few years ago. And that's a part of our entire digital workspace strategy with our Workspace One platform that combines the mobility piece, the secure access piece, the employee experience piece, plus your virtual desktops and applications all into one platform. Um, and I think across that entire journey, what we're starting to see even more of over the last couple of years is really customers saying, okay, you know, I've had on-premises VDI or on-premises applications that I'm hosting to serve up for my employees. And last year was, you know, obviously the, the, the happenings in 2020, it brought to light what technology, what good technology can actually do for you in terms of VDI and published applications. We never had uh, this much interest uh, in VDI and published applications, at least as long as I've been here, because I think a lot of customers realized, how can I quickly give my employees who are all of a sudden remote access to corporate resources. I mean, you can do that through VPN, for example, and VDI happened to be one of those technologies that you could also do it with. When you combine that with all of the as a service technologies out there, infrastructure as a service, desktop as a service, SaaS, uh, it really starts to open up a lot of new doors, new use cases, and just quite fundamentally our customers' eyes around what they can do when you combine those technologies with virtual desktops and applications. So uh, we kind of you know, put all of that together, all the chess pieces really kind of came across and uh, gave us a, a really nice solution, a really nice story, and just at the end of the day, allowed our customers to benefit from VDI in the cloud. And it doesn't necessarily mean your workloads have to be in the cloud. It's just that they can use these SaaS types of environments for Horizons um, specifically. I can definitely drill down into details because it can get you know a little confusing pretty quickly, but it was a, a great moment actually, just even in 2020, even with you know everything going on and how we were able to help our customers with the quick scale to, to corporate resources based off of infrastructure as a service in the cloud, even on premises with virtual desktops and apps. 
Yeah, one of the questions, uh, and Matt, I'll let you jump in here in a minute, but uh, one of the questions that I think somebody asked Michael Dell or somebody asked the board of directors in our session this morning uh, as in the leadership group was uh, the definition of a SaaS service versus a subscription service, right? And and, and what, is, what does that really mean? And are we talking true SaaS? Are we talking subscription where you're just buying and running? Or are we running this stuff on a cloud? And if so, who's cloud? Absolutely. That's one of the main questions I get day in, day out. I mean, when it comes to subscription, that's really more of a, a vehicle to, to purchase. You're purchasing something via subscription. And, you know, if, if you've been around for a while, you'll notice like magazines, for example, you get through subscription. Netflix, you get through subscription, some sort of monthly, annual, some sort of term, right? a defined term. And you can compare that to perpetual licensing that we've had traditionally with software, where it's a one-time buy. And if you want support and services, you might pay for us in our world, we call it SNS uh, for, for that uh, right to update. Um, but eventually, uh, essentially, you have the right in perpetuity to have access and entitlement to your license. And subscription, it's a little bit different because it's based off of terms. That is just the vehicle to purchase. Now, uh, the, the actual delivery model of software is where SaaS comes into play. Traditionally, we've had on-premise. You are joining the online studio. Sorry about that. You are unmuted. <laughs> and can speak no. to the host. Try to get TalkShoe back in at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, I mean, traditionally you've had virtual desktops and apps where uh, an IT administrator, multiple admins would have to download the software bits from my.vmware.com portal, install it on some sort of hardware that they have. And it, it can take a pretty lengthy process then, plus you have to maintain all of that hardware and software in the back end, right? And that's all uh, on your terms as, as an organization. With cloud now, what we're seeing is how can we offer some of that functionality, or if not all of it, in the cloud? And so what we mean by Horizon SaaS, really the first step is getting that management layer in the cloud. So we have a control plane, we call it the Horizon Control Plane, and there's management services on there like global brokering, image management, managing applications more efficiently, managing users more efficiently, all their profiles, monitoring. Now, instead of having to stand up that infrastructure on premises that customers have been used to, Trying to really show the way of how customers can potentially reduce costs and simplify management if they took that management layer and stuck it in the cloud. That's what we really imply by Horizon SaaS. And then from there, it's a really multiple step journey according to the customer's needs. There's no requirement to redeploy your on-premises workloads, but if you wanted to redeploy those or stand up new ones in the cloud instead of having to procure hardware locally, that could be a big win on your part um, to where it's opening up use cases like HADR, like, like Burst, Cloud Burst, quickly scaling up and down these new virtual desktops and apps without, again, having to procure hardware. So it's kind of a multi-step journey. Um, we try to make it as clear as possible because, again, it can get confusing, especially you know when I think of SaaS, I think immediately of like a Salesforce.com, one of the first companies I, I knew about SaaS. But uh, with the journey that we're doing with the VDI and apps, it's a little bit different because we have a lot of customers that are already on-premises and they're really trying to figure out what's the best way for me to move forward so I can unlock these new use cases so I can use this cloud management plane that's available for me. Yeah. So Sachin, I wanted to step into that. Let's, let's say in a traditional sense. So I, I'm, you know, I have a, let's say 500 desktop traditional on-premise deployment and it's split mm -hmm. up between two locations. I have a primary and a secondary site or a primary and a, and a failover site. 
what, how would I start to step in as the, tr- the traditional Horizon administrator and look into some of those cloud control plane options? I, I, one of the first things that I that I see that would I, from an administrator benefit would be that global services load balancer replacement that, that's right out there, and then the image management. So, can we dive into that a little bit of, of what would be those advantages and and how you would step from that existing on-premises deployment? to take advantage of some of these cloud control plane features? Absolutely. So to the first uh, question, I think it's, if we take a look at the before and after, like what do you have before the control plane services that live in the cloud versus after? So before you'd have to set up your own global uh, service load balancer, you know, your GSLBs, those have to be set up for you. If you have multiple locations and multiple sites and you want to still provide a great user experience by just giving, you know, a single URL. Um, if you want to manage images, you'd have to have some sort of PC lifecycle management tool that probably isn't really built for virtualization. It's more for the physical PC management, but you know, it can make ends meet and, and it can make do for what you need to do, but still gets a little bit difficult because a lot of times scripting and whatnot is involved. And those are just two examples. If you can flip those on their head and put them in the cloud, now those services, A, Customers, as an IT administrator, you don't have to worry about updating those services or updating updating the backend infrastructure to maintain those services. And then B, you can start to get rid of a lot of your existing uh, investments or uh, leverage those somewhere else, like your GSLBs, for example, those load balancers. There's no more requirement for those anymore when you have our universal brokering system in the, in the control plane. That PCLM lifecycle management tool that you're using you, know, you don't need to use it anymore. You can use our image management service that's continuously being updated and iterated on. That's the beauty of, of having it in the cloud. So ho- hopefully that, that kind of gives you a sense of the, the before and the after and why we think it's uh, more ideal for customers to, to go down that route. Now, we're not forcing our customers to go down that route by any means. Um, we, we want to educate them and give them options. So it's up to them to decide, hey, do I want to use this control plane? And maybe even as a second step, I can start thinking about workloads that I can move on into the cloud. Yeah, that makes sense. I, one of the things that uh, they talked about was, uh, you know, whether you're expensing it or whether you're, it's a capital expense or it can just be an expense, right? Um, and so that's one of the other elements is that uh, capital investments lower, amortization doesn't exist because you could just take your management plane and expense it, right? And as we all know, these SaaS services that that applies here, where picking a piece and then just turning it into expense versus capital infrastructure to run your management plane. Uh, there's some sort of some advantages there and there's the advantages of just time and what do you consider key you know skill sets that you want to spend time doing on-prem versus not being on-prem right and then there's the whole COVID interaction of being on-prem gets tricky anyway. So the less you can uh, deal with being on-prem and letting uh, cloud services be on-prem to do that work also, that also makes sense. So how, and Matt, you can jump in if you have another question, but um, how's that going? Do you see customers adopting it? I know that uh, they had us grade, how do we think we're doing as we're offering up SaaS services? And you know, the sales teams that we're talking, seem to think we were doing really well. Right, like versus me as a is a you know corporate management community guy, right? I like, oh geez, all I talk to is the experts all day. We're all on prem. I don't think anybody uses this cloud stuff. It's silly, right? Like, but yeah, the reality is uh, the sales team thinks that uh, that they're doing really well with this this hybrid model approach. How are we doing? 
Yeah, great question. Um, and it's one that we get feedback from our customers all the time. Hey, you know, why are you pushing cloud on me? I don't want it. I'm, I'm used to my on-premises world and I just kind of want to keep it that way. And I think our biggest task at hand is to give customers options. We don't want to, you know, any customer to be forced into anything. It's completely up to them. We want to keep all customers happy. Um, but B, it's it's more to, to educate on why cloud might make sense for you, why it can potentially benefit from reduced costs due to managing fewer images or being able to run app stacks within your virtualized application or virtualized desktop environment compared to how you're doing it uh, in the before um, era. So, so to us, it's about customer choice and it's about educating and it's getting down to the, inevitably the financials are going to come up. And that's why we have you know, pretty compelling pricing to get our customers upgraded. We have programs in place and it'll make it very favorable for these customers to determine, hey, do I wanna go down the SaaS route? Do I wanna put more workloads in VMware Cloud on AWS or in Google Cloud or Horizon Cloud on Azure, Azure VMware Solution? I mean, there's so many flexible deployment options that are available that get unlocked once you get into this subscription model. And think over time, I mean, we, we have our, our C-tabs, our customer technical advisory boards, twice a year. And we've been talking about the move to subscription now for a while. We've been talking about cloud and SaaS for, for a while, and inevitably we get the, the same, oh, not again. But in the last year or so, that's when customers, I think, have started to realize, wait a second, you know that HA uh, setup that I was going to set up or that DR setup? All of a sudden, I actually do have to set it up, and this is where I can benefit from uh, uh, the capacity on Azure or the capacity on VMware Cloud on AWS. So if I had a traditional, going back to the example that we had brought up before session, where I have named users, and to speak to your, your blog post out there that was available on blogs.vmware.com under, under the EUC um, computing blog that, that's entitled that, you know, the, all these new Horizon SaaS offerings, it seems like there's now multiple SaaS subscription options, which is great to see. But then there's the universal subscription and then the standard subscription. And then also that there's this Horizon app standard subscription. So mm -hmm. if I'm looking to blend now that traditional named user, and I, I'm starting to, to dip into all of these, like, well, I'm thinking, well, okay, universal, where, where can I use universal? Or can I get away with just using a standard subscription? Can you walk us through a little bit of those differences and of, of what those new SaaS uh, subscriptions models are and, and how they might be applicable? Absolutely. So we've had our universal SaaS offerings now for a couple of years. They've been available and many customers have taken advantage of them. And I think we we started to realize, okay, if, if this the SaaS stuff is really going to become advantageous for customers, we're going to get them from all angles. It's not going to be just customers that are looking just for VDI or just for Horizon apps. Uh, it could be a, a blend of both. It could be just one or the other. And they're coming from different sources, meaning you know, somebody may have purchased a, a, a low-end version of Horizon that only offered apps previously or only offered virtual desktops. So we wanted to have paths for them all the way across, not to make a big jump over all the way into Horizon Universal. I think for, for customers that, uh, that, that enjoy the flexibility of being able to run on any of these types of deployments on premises all the way out to hybrid and multi-cloud options and they, they want, they see the value in these use cases, that's when they should absolutely gravitate towards our Horizon Universal subscription. Um, but, but, you know, those that 
that may not want the apps world, for example. They just want virtual desktops. That's where they would trend more towards Horizon Standard subscription. And then those that only want apps and don't want virtual desktops, that's where they would go for Horizon apps, either Universal or Horizon apps uh, standard subscription. So different subscription options. Again, we're, we're trying to we're trying to simplify as much as we can, but also it's a fine line that you have to balance with making sure that you know the, the many customers that we have that they all have a path to move forward to again if they want to move down that that, that path sure so the the universal license would be the equivalent of what used to be the enterprise version so to say so it's some of those features and then allowing that mobility between on-premises and and cloud offerings and then the standard uh, subscription license, and then both the the app standard subscription license would be for let's call it one infrastructure only. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. So for the the universal, it's it, think of it that as as the most premium you know addition that we have. It's it's giving you flexibility to run on premises in the cloud, multi multi locations. You can get access to all of the use cases that we've discussed. Um, you don't have to redeploy if you're on-premises. Uh, you, you can move to the cloud if and when you want to, but it'll absolutely give you the most flexibility. Plus, you get access to all of those control plane services like app management and image management. As you kind of go down into the more standard versions of this, such as Horizon Standard Subscription, that's where you know, you, you'll have a little bit of a limited feature set. You won't get access to apps, for example. You'll, you'll only be allowed to run from one location. That's also because majority of our horizon standard customers are, are there as well so i think you put it very eloquently like horizon enterprise you can think of that as mapped to horizon universal horizon standard you can think of that as mapped to horizon standard subscription nice okay so um we talked to the title of the, i think this podcast is what's new right so we've done the summary of what it is why people use it uh, and some of some some expectations are on adoption uh how often are you guys doing releases? I know the SaaS world, it's pretty fast, right? Like you're always doing releases. Uh, and then uh, we, we got you on here because we want to hear what's new. Uh, what What is new? What is What do you think is uh, something new that uh, that's, that's worthwhile talking about? Yeah, absolutely. We're So, so the beauty of, of SaaS from an, not only an IT standpoint, but also from the folks that are developing it, our engineers, our R&D staff, is that the iteration process is just so fast. Uh, we don't want it to get fast to the point where anything is sloppy or anything like that, but more so, you know, on a monthly basis, we can put out releases so that, you know, if image management service, for example, uh, needs to run all of a sudden on a brand new cloud, we can push that out. And that's truly where we're focusing a lot of our efforts is continuing to put more hybrid cloud services in the management plane, um, specifically around Universal Broker. You know, we just uh, went GA with that a little while back. Um, towards the end of last year uh, to, to work on premises and to work in some of our clouds. And I think over time, we're just going to keep continuing to iterate on that. And it's interesting because while we'd love to kind of paint a broad stroke and get all of the clouds covered, we know that there's priorities that we have to take. You know, the majority of our customers are, are still on premises as they're evaluating what they can do in the cloud. Um, and then the, you, know, you think about, hey, what are the top IaaS vendors out there? You got Microsoft, you got uh, AWS, you got Google Cloud, may maybe a couple of others, but those are the top ones. And so we have to think about from a, a product standpoint, which ones do we kind of prioritize? And I think over the course of the year, you'll see just more and more of these releases where more of these control plane features 
are available across our deployment options. And that's ultimately just to help our customers, you know, even if you don't go multi-cloud, which I don't quite frankly expect the majority of our customers really to, to have a multi-cloud strategy uh, for VDI and apps, at least, you know, within the next six months. But as they look towards the future, even if they wanted to just for a single location, they could still take advantage of all of that. Right. Uh, one of the, another comment slash question I have is, uh, in the briefing this morning, I think, or yesterday, we had a customer come in and was talking about EUC and Horizon and uh, the fact that they, they had trouble justifying it, right? Like they had, they had, you know, tried to go to their board saying, hey, we want to move a lot of this into the, into VMware's cloud services model. Uh, everybody was hesitant. Do they want to really want to do this? Then COVID happened and they actually, they had moved some percentage of their org as kind of a trial to this cloud environment, right? And the uh, Horizon Cloud, and then uh, the rest weren't. And uh, the people that were in cloud running their desktops through this model uh, didn't miss a day of work. Like they were on, they were online the next day, right? Where the other people that hadn't moved to that, like it took like four or five days. And uh, the board of directors was like, wow, this is like compelling, right? In the sense that, uh, you know, you can just, they had an issue with COVID. They had, you know, office shut down, desktops weren't where they needed to be and the, the cloud people just didn't miss a beat right so mm -hmm. that was one thing then they also looked at that number of calls into the call center for problems and when they did move to horizon uh for whatever reason they didn't get into why the calls calls were dramatically declining uh maybe it was maybe their implementation wasn't very good on-prem i don't know what why that was but they also saw savings there right so all of a sudden they just it became clear that there were these these example use cases of customers where they weren't sure they wanted to go into cloud services and managing you know their desktop infrastructure and when they got there because of covid they were like wow this saved us a lot more money than we expected so uh, yeah, it just it, it goes to show you i mean what you're highlighting right now are just the core fundamental benefits of even virtualization to begin with uh, and especially in, in the the vdi and published app space it's you know, trying to get down to an, an operational model for IT so that it's easier for them to manage the desktops, the images, and the apps that are associated with it. Uh, with physical PC management, it can be a little bit more difficult, especially if, if you have a distributed type of environment um, and you know low uh, late or high latency, low bandwidth types of environments. That's a perfect use case to look at VDI and published applications. So I'm glad to hear stories like that. I mean, there, there's a ton that we heard over the course of of 2020 where you know, VDI was it, it was a tool in in the organization's toolbox, and it happened to be one that kind of saved the day for a lot of these organizations. And the beauty of it is now, when you combine it with cloud, you can just scale up and down. You don't necessarily have to have forty thousand virtual desktops on all the time. You can have ten thousand on according to shift work. And if there's you know temporary seasonal workers that come on board, hey, that's another great use case of get all these retail workers up online for these three months and then bring those virtual desktops and apps down. Just, just wonder, um, and Matt, I'll let you go if you need to, but I'm just wondering, you know, everybody now, we're all, you know, I have friends have now gotten the vaccine. We're starting to slowly come out of COVID, right? Then you hear, I think Michael Dell came in and said, you know, we don't actually see this going back, right? We don't, we don't see us 
going back to the way we used to work, right? Sitting in uh, 45 minute traffic jams and to, in order to get into the VMware campus. If you ever came up the 280 from San Francisco to get into the campus in the morning, you wait in a 30 minute line just to get through the exit, right? You know, like, and, and certainly we're all struggling with what does it mean to be at home, right? You know, like some of us have started building out our own little offices, you know, with backgrounds and things. Um, but I don't think it's going to go back to the way it was, right? And this includes cloud. So there was this a major push to get everybody into this cloud service management model, right? Um, what are you guys seeing from you know your your planning perspective, right? With regard to product, do you see this accelerating? And and do you think it's going to the pendulum going to switch, switch uh, shift back as everybody can travel and get on airplanes and and do different things? Uh, I, there's a bit of me that goes, I want to leave this house and never come back, right? Um, but at the same time, I start considering traffic and what's going to happen. What are you guys thinking from the product? team perspective around uh, is this just going to be faster to the future kind of stuff or do we see a pullback at some point? I, I don't think it's going to pull back anytime soon. I think we will stay in sort of a hybrid work type of model for the majority of the uh, employers out there. I, I can't speak for everyone, but I, I know a lot of organizations are just going full remote and that's a great way to attract talent as well. That talent is going to need access to corporate resources, and one vehicle to do that with is virtual desktops and apps. So I don't. I think it's going to be a slow roll to get back to you know normal times where people might be using more of their local resources rather than centralized resources that you would with VDI and DAS. Um, and we're doubling down on our efforts. Um, you know, it's the way that we prioritize engineering efforts is very much so based off of just customer demand. And we joke, uh, you may have heard the term, the year of VDI. And over the last decade, every year was supposed to be the year of VDI. And it just so happened you know, under the circumstances of, of, of 2020, it actually was the year of VDI. We've never seen an explosion of customers actually using the technology like they have in 2020. And I don't, I don't quite frankly see that you know, slowing down. But again, it's up to our customers. We want to ensure that they have the tools that they need to keep their employees productive, I think Horizon overall, while we've, we're very much so focused on Horizon SaaS and 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 the transition over to subscription, um, it, it's if you zoom out, it's it's a lot bigger than that. I mean, you have to think about security. I mean, security is a use case of, for Horizon, but what about securing mobile devices? What about securing laptops? You have to think about uh, the management layer of those physical PCs and mobile devices. You have to think about the employee experience onboarding. I mean, you can imagine if if somebody starts at VMware or another company while going through the pandemic and full remote, it's probably not the easiest onboarding experience, especially if you're not getting any FaceTime and you're used to getting FaceTime. If you if you bunch all of that together with security, employee experience, management, BDI and apps, I think that is our ultimate North Star of what we have with Workspace ONE. And I'm, I'm not here to, to pitch Workspace ONE by any means, but I just want people to think about, hey, let's zoom out. BDI is one tool as a part of the toolkit. What about that entire, you know, digital workspace, that entire workspace to be able to work from anywhere we want. I, I don't think I can speak for most people at VMware. I don't think we missed a beat as employees because we were given a lot of these tools already to begin with. A lot of us did work from home you know, in a hybrid model or fully, fully remote and it benefited us. And we hope that we can provide the same type of output for our customers. So how much did you see that VDI ad adoption, right? So we have this need for some type of either virtual desktop or a remote app that then now that puts into the, the CIO or the executive's head, 
where now we have to be concerned about what device we're delivering that desktop to. So mm-hmm. how much did that start to now, or have you seen from licensing where we might've had VDI there, but it was delivered to a corporate device or a thing client. Now mm-hmm. it's being de- delivered to a, a user's or a personal uh, laptop, a personal desktop uh, and an iPad or whatnot. And now it's more of that mentality of, well, what are we doing for that that endpoint management? And how much is this now driving? Where have you seen where we've, the use of VDI is now driving even further um, UEM solutions. Is, is that really a case? Have you seen that from the licensing where, where it goes hand in hand or, or is there a corollary there? It, it is a absolute use case. And I think, um, you know, since our Air, AirWatch acquisition about seven or eight years ago, um, it's been something that we've been building together even more. Um, you know, VDI, you can think of a lot of people kind of bucket into a silo and UEM, Unified Endpoint Management, you bucket into a silo, but we're trying to bring those together even more, again, zooming out into that complete workspace platform with, with Workspace ONE. Um, we're seeing that you have to, from a security angle specifically, you have to think about as a customer, what are my potential points of attack? And you know, with, with VDI, security is, is a use case for VDI. You could potentially be more secure because your corporate resources are all living behind the firewall or living in the cloud where you're not managing them. But at the same time, the device that you're accessing those corporate resources from need to be managed and secured as well. And that's where a UEM solution like Workspace ONE UEM can help out. No matter if you're on your laptop, your MacBook, your iPhone, your Android phone, your thin client, your zero client, that's where um, we have the, these tools available with UEM as a part of Workspace ONE overall to really help out in those uh, different models. And I think you'll, you'll see a lot more of this kind of coming out as we broaden the scope, especially now with other tools as part of our toolkit, like Carbon Black, Velo Cloud, and Avi Networks, kind of bringing all of these together. I think we have some really unique pieces to help our, our customers out. Yeah, it, it is an interesting uh, concept. Um, um, I'll jump in just because I have a security one there. A little bit of storyline here. Uh, another company I that uh, I have friends that work at was he's telling me a story, you know, on Zoom because we're not allowed to actually meet anybody for a beer anymore. But he was telling us that uh, uh, somewhere in China, you know, not picking on China or anything, but they they targeted their company, right? Hacked in. And we're in the midst of uh, bricking, hacking their install servers for all their devices to be able to brick all the devices, right? And they, and they literally have millions and millions of devices that that, that they sell. And uh, they were they were coming in trying to you know trying to put code in the distribution uh, app to be able to then once it's distributed, brick it, right? Encrypt the whole thing and brick it. And then, and then you know, extort, you know, like $20 million out of them to in order to unbrick all the devices that they've bricked. And so when you're talking about the managing these end user desktops and, you know, and that's, you know, the network, the security is not just a, it's just, just not nice to have anymore. Like, oh, they might break in and, you know, change our website or anything. This is like extortion, you know, and if you have a lot of volume, you know, they, they'll literally grab a couple million, you, you'll pay them because you're like, look, we just want to get going again tomorrow. So here, we'll write a check for 3 million and go away, right? Um, it's like a serious thing now that you just can't play with your infrastructure anymore and hope it goes well, right? I, I completely agree. And 
the interesting balance there is is what do you do not only in the security side to keep things secure but then not have it compromise employee experience because we could put up layers and layers exactly. and layers of security and then me as an employee it's like oh you know this antivirus it's slowing down my pc i'm not going to be yeah. able to create that powerpoint deck yeah. that i wanted to create the, the, i think the we buddy was the buddy was telling me he's going to have to cut off a middle toe right you know and send it to them so that they can verify so it could just log in like i think they're at like three or four level authentication now just because it's it is such a serious threat that it, it, there is that ease that ease of use that pretty soon i just uh just uh, i'm gonna just do it with pencil and paper and I'll, I'll i'll post it to you or something because if it gets so hard to use it's like now you they've been affected in locking you out from a business perspective so yeah it's security and ease of use yeah Right. Yeah, so in some ways that, that BYOD device is, is harder, right? Than the corporate. The corporate device, it was it was easy. You had a you know a SCCM task sequence where it was bulletproof. You have your corporate, you know, firewalls and the antivirus and whatnot, and it was a boilerplate image. Now we're we're in this BYOD, you know, mentality where it can be an iPad, an Android phone, a, a personal desktop and whatnot. It's trying to manage that experience and still set those high security standards. And to make that balancing act between the two with some type of UEM solution is difficult. I think Workspace One does it great, but it's definitely a, a challenge, maybe even more so than what we've seen before. I wholeheartedly agree. It's, it's uh, you know, we, that's our mission. You know, what can we do to provide that digital workspace to, to provide the best employee experience not compromise security as a part of it. And again, just give tools to our customers so that they can you know, continue on with their daily tasks so they can meet their objectives and their mission. So Ashwin, you brought up tools and I, and I wanna go into, a, let's call it a, a potential point of contention um, that I've heard back from, from some feedback from some customers. And that is uh, the VROPS for Horizon Management Pack. And, and where that's at on the future roadmap and some changes there that that that's brought about and and why that might be going away and what what's coming out or and what the, the mentality there was um, to, to pull that back and to look at new operating models for on-premise and cloud deployments. Yeah, absolutely. I think monitoring is is an important piece of any environment. I, I've been an IT administrator in past lives, and um, all I did was use my dashboards and my reports to go in and and monitor and make sure that everything was running smoothly. If I'm getting a call from one of the employees saying, hey, my laptop's running slow, well, I can go in and diagnose it based off of the monitoring solutions that I have. So vRealize Operations for Horizon did a fantastic job, still continues to do a fantastic job of, of doing the monitoring piece. I think what, what we saw was that um, V Realize Operations for Horizon specifically, it was, you know, an agent-based solution that that was built for virtualization in, inside of VDI and, and published apps, and that ended up get, uh, giving us some a little bit of performance hits. And what we ended up doing was actually uh, calling out that it's going to be end of support by, I believe it's going to be September of 2022, so end of next year. And so um, we did take that out of our uh, most premium packaging. Uh, but in lieu of that, I mean, customers still receive VROPS for Horizon through a variety of different other ways. Um, there's through the VROPS suite um, that it was available. Um, so, so not too much kind of pushback on there. I think as we move towards the future, we we saw some some opportunities for monitoring solutions up up and down the Horizon stack 
uh, if you will. So for example, we have our cloud monitoring um, solution that's a bit, uh, built, it's called CMS as a part of our control plane. So that'll give you some insights into um, in-guest metrics and troubleshooting and whatnot. We have a partnership with one of our partners named ControlUp, who also does a great job at that in-guest metrics, troubleshooting root cause analysis for those, those desktops, virtual desktops and published applications. And then kind of the lower half of that stack is really the infrastructure monitoring. And that's where um, our cloud management business unit uh, colleagues have come out with this new management pack for Horizon. It's called MP4H. And so, you know, we're looking at creative ways on, on what we can do to, to get that out to our customers. Um, that is available today. So, so customers can go down that route if they wanted to monitor that bottom half of the stack. Um, and I think you'll see a lot more clarity over this over the uh, upcoming um, year or so on how you know we're going to package it all together so that our customers can take advantage of it. So, you know, going back V4H, we did uh, announce that it was going to be end of support by the end of next year in favor of this more you know agentless, more elegant solution with Management Pack for Horizon. It's really about what workloads now. It's not just that on-prem domain, right? It, it's it, it where was or what was there for for monitoring on-premises workload domains. Great tool, but now we have to look at what what are the the SaaS offerings or what are out there, and how is that monitoring tool going to adapt to those workloads? And it sounds like there's now it's it's complex enough that we need to look at multiple offerings depending on what it is that you want to monitor and where that workload lies. That's exactly it. It's choice. You know, some customers may want to go very deep into the in-guest metrics, and that's where they can absolutely look at a solution like ControlUp. Other customers may just want to monitor just the, the, the bottom half, just the horizon infrastructure, the SCDC layer, for example. And then, you know, even as you go out to other clouds like Azure and VMC on AWS, there's other monitoring solutions sometimes that even come packaged in and those could be good enough. And if they're not good enough, we, we have, you know, choice and options available on our end as well. Eric, over to you. All right. I got one, um, which is, you know, Pat Gelsinger. I like always to come to back Pat Gelsinger. I got Pat Gelsinger on my mind here. Like, uh, you know, he, he was bad mouthing or making fun of Apple a little bit with their arm chip selection. Right. So, you know, as the, as desktops change and arm shows up in Apple clients now, right? Like, uh, where are we going with that? Um, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot of expertise on the, the chip side of it, um, as far as uh, Apple and, and Intel and uh, you know, all the players in there. I don't think it, to us it makes a difference on the virtual desktop side. I mean, we partner with a lot of the, the marquee vendors out there. Again, it's customer choice on where they want to run their hardware. And if they want to relinquish that management and put it in the cloud, and that's perfectly fine too. So unfortunately, not a whole lot of, of feedback that I can provide on that. Right. You, you have to have a player, right? You, you are, yeah, I'm sure you're, you'll, you'll do an ARM version of uh, what displays. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's, that's actually a good point. I mean, we do partner with, with Intel, with AMD, with NVIDIA to make sure that the experience for the end user who is accessing their virtual desktop or virtual app remotely is a great experience. And we've been partnering with these partners for, for years and years uh, to the point where we're in lockstep of, of you know, building out roadmaps together. Uh, we're continuing to iterate on our BLAST protocol, other protocols that we can use as a part of providing that enhanced user experience. Right. I would just assume that when 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 Apple comes up with an ARM 
client, right? That that, that will will have a will have something that will 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 display the rendering uh, on that. I'm sure point. we will. Yeah, absolutely. But that's a boring answer, right? You know, like it's uh, <laughs> more exciting to pick on Apple a little bit or at <laughs> with x86, right? Um, but uh, I can imagine that's the way it is. Um, well, to the pack question, so Sasha, you've probably been with that BU long enough that Sanjay would have been VP when you started, right? So I was here a little bit before Sanjay arrived. Um, and at that time, I mean, end user computing was, all it was was VDI. So one of the big moments that uh, after Sanjay arrived was the AirWatch acquisition. It kind of, it completely you know, accelerated our path for end user computing and it made us very relevant inside of, uh, you know, inside and outside of VMware. I think people took a lot of notice, uh, but yeah, to answer your question, a little bit here, a little bit before um, Sanjay had arrived. Okay, and not putting you on the spots, but any any thoughts, comments on on potential uh, new CEOs or just general observations that that you've seen thus far with with Pat's departure? Yeah, I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I keep up with uh, who the potentials could be. Um, I'm just not up that that high in the food chain to. To really know who who it's going to be, it'd be great if it was an internal candidate. I think we have several of them. It'd be great if there it was an external candidate. I think we have several of them as well. So, I think we're all guessing at this point, but no matter who will be picked, it will be a great selection. Absolutely, it's hard to I think follow in Pat's step, uh, footsteps. He's tremendous uh, CEO. Um, you know, I remember his first VMworld uh, when he went on stage, all the way up until every sales kickoff we did, and. I mean, the passion, the energy that he brings to the table every single day, how intelligent he is, was you know, second to none. So it's it's a tough loss for us, for sure. But I, I think we have a, a either a good bench internally or I'm sure externally there's going to be some great candidates. All right. That uh, that sums up the Pat Kelsinger you know, you know, thing. I, I, I know a lot more, you know, because I've been interviewing for the job. And so, you know, like, I, I can't really tell you guys about it yet, really. They have me under NDA. Uh, I I think that uh, I'm not sure I got anything else here. I'm trying to think. There was a question I had, but now it's now it's like gone. Right? Like uh, I don't know if I have any other questions other than the standard ones that you always do, Matt. Which is uh, you know, well, this small. is EUC. I could go on for hours, so I yeah. will throw this out there for for Sasha. What's on the roadmap? What what can we talk about in in broad brushstrokes for? For 2021, for for all th things EUC, what's out there? What can we we be looking forward to without getting into you know obviously too much detail in, a, in all things NDA, but just for yeah. broad br brushstrokes, what's what's coming along? What are you excited about, Sasha? What I'm excited about is absolutely the the conjunction between security and that employee experience. I think we've talked touched upon that many times here, uh, but it's very fascinating to me because. Just the, the onboarding experience, The even if, let's say, you leave the company, like, what is that experience like? Uh, we've all been through the situation where you've had to call up IT, and, um, you know, generally speaking, it's it's not the best experience. I think it's getting better, um, and I can say that not only um, at VMware IT or my previous company's IT, I think uh, there could be more steps taken to make that experience a lot better, and I think our employee experience uh, functionality that we're adding more and more into our Workspace ONE platform could absolutely help. Um, and, and then at the same time, I mentioned all these pieces, you know, Carbon Black, Velo Cloud, Avi Networks, really combining that with these other pieces that we've already had as a part of our, our tool bag in, in Horizon and Workspace ONE, I think you'll see 
know, a lot of goodness kind of coming out of there um, because not a lot of folks out there have those types of pieces that they can play with. And so to me, that's what is exciting from a VMware standpoint, just having the very unique angle, especially, you know, through, through virtualization and having that virtualization layer and impact onto cloud and on-prem and what we've done to transform data centers, I feel like we're going to do the same exact thing as a part of employee experience and as a part of security moving forward. Yeah, um, I did remember my question, right? So I had that moment where I couldn't remember what it was, but uh, the the thing Sanjay was on, again, this leadership call this morning or yesterday, I don't know which day he was on, but he talked about the fact that uh, when we uh, were analyzing which uh, company to purchase in the desktop space, um, we looked and I forget the other one he cut, but he said the reason we purchased AirWatch was they were a SaaS service, right? And uh, and then there is an innovation approach of if you're going to innovate, what you do is you, you you use your brain to think of innovative ideas that will free up resources that provide value, right? And the AirWatch, because they were in the cloud, uh, were allowing their people to innovate faster because they weren't spending time with customers, you know, installing, setting up, configuring. It freed the customers to innovate. It freed us to innovate. And so you can see that this notion of doing a SaaS service and moving people to the cloud, there's plenty of stuff to innovate on, right? Like, you know, you have AI, you have all kinds of, you know, hard software problems to deal with that. If you can move the management in, that's what he was talking about is this, this notion that moving into a SaaS service, this kind of workload frees you up to do some of the harder, more challenging technical problems that software can solve for. So it was just interesting to hear his perspective on that. AirWatch purchase and the SaaS movement, right? Um, uh, which which is just fascinating. It is. I, I fully agree with that. I think um, you know, there's you hear about in the Bay Area uh, all these startups all the time. You know, born in the cloud, true SaaS service. And I think VMware, you know, as we move more and more towards becoming an even bigger SaaS company, we need those pieces as well. So I think the AirWatch acquisition was huge for us. It, it transformed our culture you know we have uh, we iterated faster and i think as we move horizon even more into that SaaS culture and SaaS world it's nothing but goodness it's goodness for our right. customers because they'll be getting features a lot faster it's great for from a vmware standpoint because we'll be you know moving to SaaS faster and it's great for, for partners as well they'll be able to take advantage of you know, the innovation that, that that we're putting into our product so i think it's nothing but a win for every all parties involved it was a it was a true value capture proposition, right? That they were getting out, and that that's how innovative companies survive is by innovating fast enough that you can capture that value and let other people innovate even faster. And then uh, that a speaker today talked about the fact that uh, you know industries that don't do that, manufacturing industries or industries, the big industrial industries that didn't get into an innovative cycle actually flatlined, right? And that you know you want to be innovating. Um, so that's. Actually, it was a fascinating uh, conversation. Okay, well, we're coming up to 54, 55, 56 minutes. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll say, um, are you, do you have any specific goals that the community can help you with? And then my final question, which is kind of a hard question for you, um, and I did ask this in the chat to our executive teams, which is if we're moving into SaaS services and SaaS, all the SaaS software, how do we enable home labbers, right? You know, guys that have home labs that have been learning this technology, like 
now a SaaS service comes along and all of a sudden it's going to cost them, you know, $500 a month to go play with this and learn this. Right. And it's one of the challenges that I don't think anybody has an answer. So I don't expect you to have an answer for it either, but I'll say, cause you're here, cause maybe you'll go back and talk to some people and we'll spread it around over time, which is how do we take home labbers, right. And give them access to some of these SaaS services so that they can become expert at it. They can be blogging about it and they can get adoption because as you know, just because you sell something in the SaaS cloud world doesn't mean that you actually make money on it. They actually have to use it, right? In order to, in order to really, really, you know, turn it into revenue. That's a, a fantastic question. And one that we've been thinking about for a while. Um, I, I think from the horizon point of view, it's a little bit more related to capacity because, you know, VMware doesn't sell capacity from a horizon standpoint. It's all, you know, do you want Azure capacity? Do you want Google capacity? Do you want VMware Cloud on AWS capacity? So I don't think we've been able to figure that part out on where we can make that price point low enough so that uh, you know folks can use the cloud for their la home lab. So we're, we're thinking about things. I think we need to you know go back to the drawing table and and see, hey, is this something that we could potentially partner with to add incentives, um, to add you know some sort of, of of promos in place so that these can truly help out. Our, our our field folks and all of the V experts, for example, so right. they can take advantage of it. Right. I think that this is a this is a job for William Lamb, right, or you know, a combination of it, which is we set up a wall of us, uh, you know, Raspberry Pis or wall of some servers, and then we build a clone service, right, uh, and we call it our clone cloud, right, and then everybody can uh, have a segment in the clone cloud and to go learn this stuff and use it, and it's not really we don't have to pay. Amazon uh, or Azure for the cloud resources to let the experts to experience the connectivity and security issues that you're going to have when you when you start using you know Horizon as a SaaS service, right? Because there you go. Uh, these challenges, I get that we have to pay for these resources. Right? We I think we found another billion dollar company if we could develop this. So right, right. maybe I'll go back to the table and try to do it's that. Kind of like hands on lab, but it's hands on cloud right you know you yeah. a little cloud snippet with your favorite you know like uh steam uh, does for pcs where all the games are just in the and you just you know you just connect to it and you pay five bucks and you get your old game we should just have that a big steam wall that has all of vmware's cloud services implemented out there that can you know you can go get for five bucks and use it you know for some amount of time for a year or so there you go that's what we're going to yeah. do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let Matt do that because I know he's bored. He doesn't have anything else to do. Yeah. I should be able to knock that out in about a week. Oh, no problem. <laughs> Especially if you got snow days, right? What else are you going to do? Right. Sure. Why not? All right. Well, we're at the top of the hour. It's been fun talking to Sachin Sharma. It's, there you go. Can't even do it. Uh, Sachin Sharm, Sharma, 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 Sharma. There you go. It's something having those words together that make that one a hard, hard one for me. Maybe I'm just dyslexic. I don't know. Uh, Matt, uh, last words. Where are we at right now that you feel, Sashin, that we're shortcoming in the EUC space? Where, where could we be doing? I asked Gabe Muth that the same question back in the fall. And he had commented some things on image management and look how, how how quick that we've been able to put some things out there, even in just six months. But mm -hmm. where we stand right now, where do we, not that it's not a great product, but where could it be better? 
I think we can always innovate um, around cost management. Um, for example, I'll give you one example um, with Horizon Cloud on Azure. Um, and, and it's not just picking on Azure, but any cloud service, you got to really be uh, diligent in the way that you spend money on a monthly basis for capacity. If ingress, we're ingress, sure. There you go. Yeah. If we're able to help IT control those costs by putting in some sort of optimization or some sort of tracker, and then we have built this in for, for power management, that's a big win. So where else can we do this as a part of uh, optimizing costs? I think that's kind of our next uh, frontier, if you will, for the next round or the next phase of management services that come up. That I think will be a big win for customers if we're able to help with that. And I think, again, we have some pieces, not necessarily with an RVU. We have Cloud Health, for example. Maybe that's something that we can integrate into. You could certainly see where it, where it would be some type of analytics to know out of a Cloud Health management single pane of glass, to use an overused term, but that you could shift these workloads around monthly or even work weekly, depending on where mm -hmm. your capacity would be based on cost analysis that, that would be able to drive metrics from previous usage. And absolutely. Exactly. All right. With that, Sachin Sharma. There you go. Finally got it. <laughs> Minutes later. Thanks for being here. It's uh, fun to listen. Uh, you got a lot of passion, a lot of excitement. I can see that. So thanks for showing up and uh, chatting uh, with us about it. Great. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Uh, before we go, next week, we're going to be talking about cloud and modern apps with Mike Hume. So Mike Hume's going to come back. If you've listened to the show for very long, you know Mike comes every once in a while and talks about the cloud business. So uh, they're going to be doing a launch. Uh, there's going to be a cloud modern apps event. It's going to be a live stream again, and he's going to come tell us about it and what they're up to. Uh, the registration page will go live next week on Wednesday. So we're going to have Mike come in next week and talk about what they're up to. Uh, from a VBAR Barbecue perspective, uh, the barbecue. We lost Tony Foster because Talk Shoe died. So we don't have our, our Tony Foster thing. And did I do some V barbecuing? We did some chicken on a, a gas grill. Uh, you know, that uh, nothing special there, right? So I've been uh, trying to eat chicken, chicken and broccoli. You know, the, the beginning of the year, eat healthier. Don't kill myself. So that's that's it. No V barbecue this week either. So with that, we'll be back here again next week with uh, Mike Hume, Cloud and Modern Apps event. And until then, everybody stay healthy and uh, stay warm and do not burn too much of your furniture if you're down in Texas. So you're going to need it for next week. Thanks a lot. See you again next week. <laughs>